Welcome back to Shred Takes. I am really glad to be back here on this Wednesday. And let's just break down some things I wanted to get into. It's going to be a short podcast episode today. I kind of just want to do a little bit of hypothetical stuff that I saw. And I want to break down some things that I find interesting. So the things that I want to get into quickly are LeBron. I'm not doing the GOAT conversation. I think that's not the way we should be appreciating what he did this season. I think we should really go through what he did in the finals, kind of stuff that he's left left for fans to really capture on and pay attention to going to next season. I think we should talk about how the Dallas Cowboys are going to move forward without Dak Prescott, how the Bills got trounced by the Tennessee Titans last night, and I think the Jeff Van Gundy situation and Tyron Lue. Where are they going to land? Are they going to land with the Pelicans? Are they going to land with the – Rockets, the Clippers, that's an interesting – it's really going to be the Rockets or Clippers, I think, for both of those guys. But let's just break down all that stuff. So first, I want to get into LeBron. And let's just think about it from this standpoint. LeBron won a fourth NBA championship. He's been to 10 NBA championships, a four and six record. Ideally, not what you want in the finals, but going to 10 finals is pretty incredible. And the fact that he has three different finals MVPs with three different teams and three different championships he's won – is incredible. He's the first guy ever in NBA history to do that, to win three finals MVPs with three different teams. He's won four totals. He won two in Miami. But that's incredible. I mean, I think that this, the, the legacy he left is has left for people to look at is incredible. Now, I'm not getting the go conversation because, frankly, it's a stupid conversation. And people who really care about that are just guys that want to get you rivaled up in the morning. I just want to break down what he did and why he's so crucial to basketball, right? Well, number one, he's, he's crucial to basketball because of his platform, right? Because of what he stands for, right? And the sense of that he's willing to help people, right? Willing to not just his teammates, but help people outside of himself, help people from Akron, right? And whether or not you agree with his politics, that's not really irrelevant. It's more the fact of he's helped people in Akron, right? Good for him. He's also relevant in the basketball court because everywhere he's went, he's won, right? He's, he's won something, right? He's, he, he has had winning seasons. And you're going to have people saying, going to write the go conversation. When he's saying, I want my respect and going and saying like, you know, the critics can, you know, uh, you know, that, that they feel the fire within them. I'm paraphrasing there, but that's not because he's saying, you know, put me in the go conversation necessarily. He's saying, don't nitpick every little thing I do in every little game because you know what? Like I win at the end of the day. And this is the thing that I'm going to say about the Lakers this year is that LeBron won and the Lakers were favored by many, but not favored by all. And those guys in the media who thought the Clippers were going to win, you know, clearly just were proven wrong. And the fact that they're saying, Oh, he avoided the Clippers is just the dumbest argument I've heard in sports because you're saying Denver's not a better team than the Clippers, but the Clippers blew a 3-1 lead against them. So let's just take that from what it's worth. And the Lakers beat the Denver Nuggets in five games, right? And if it took, it took a superhuman effort from Jamal Murray and a you know horrible game by Anthony Davis for them to win even one game in that series. And the Lakers don't have the most talented team, let's be honest. They have guys who fill their role well, but they don't have a greatly talented team. 
Cal Kuzma was a disappointment this year. I think anyone who watched the games in the playoffs would absolutely say that. He had some good games. It had some games where he just didn't know where he was in the court. He would miss layups. He would miss open threes. He'd make dumb turnovers. He would miss defensive assignments. Again, Kuzma was a big disappointment. I, and I, I think it was because it's hard being a third option with LeBron and AD who are such ball-dominant guys. And he, I guess he just wasn't as good as we think he is. He's a guy that can relish on a bad team, but on a good team, he's kind of just like your a good punch off the bench in a sense. That's really what, what, how I look at him right now. Now, also, I think the Lakers – LeBron proved one thing to me, though, is that he can really transform his game at his age. So his stats for the NBA Finals were 29.8 points a game, 11.4 rebounds, and 8.5 assists. So that's – you know, that's numbers he's – that are great numbers. People are to say that's a down finals for him, which is absurd. But he shot his best field goal percentage. He shot 59% in that series. Think about that. 59%, right? He had 40 points in game five, shooting over 50%. He had 28 points in game six, shooting over 50%. Every game he shot an exceptional percentage because he takes, he knows what he is, Right. He's still incredibly athletic and fast, but he's not as fast and as explosive as he was in, let's say, 2009 against Orlando Magic in that, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, right? I mean, that was was peak LeBron athleticism, not peak LeBron play, but that was a peak LeBron athleticism right there. And something I think that he did did well is he just – he did everything for his team in his finals. He took over when he had to take over. When Anthony Davis didn't have it going, LeBron took over the game. Look, they lost game five, but LeBron took over that game, you know, and if it wasn't for the bad play down the stretch of Marcus Morris, maybe they had a chance. Now, people also criticize, now that's, this is something I also want to get into, right? Why is the media so hard on LeBron James? Well, I think it's a pretty simple question. It's because they don't have anything better to do with their time than criticize LeBron James, right? And it's one thing to criticize his play and say, oh, he didn't play well enough that game, right? But if you actually look at the facts of him, the people saying he should have taken that last second shot, who I think understand basketball, he had four guys guarding him. Four. He had Duncan Robinson guarding him. He had Bam Adebayo right there. He had Jimmy Butler, and he had Andre Iguodala, all in that area, right? If you have at least two guys on you, you're taught, and it's a tough shot, at least that area. If the guy's wide open, you give him the ball, right? And I think that was a wide open shot. And Danny Green just didn't hit it, you know, that, and he made up for in game six. I mean, it's not, you know, that happens in basketball. That, that was just an absurd opinion that I found from just watching that. Now, to reflect on all what I just said, basically, LeBron is a great, is one of the greatest players of all time, right? If you wanted to base the GOAT, you know, you have a fair argument there. But I don't think that's a very relevant discussion. I think it's just important to see what he did, right? He found ways to score in the post. He shot well from three-point range. He found ways to get to the rim effectively. He really detailed the game well. He was phenomenal defensively, right? And he got his teammates involved, led the league in assists at age 35, right? And I think that's the important thing to take away from what he has accomplished as a player. He is accomplished. That's what he is. Now, I want to transfer over to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I, I, I am not a Cowboys fan, right? I'm a Giants fan. I do not – I can't stand the Cowboys because they're a big rival of the Giants. And I think they're also always 
uncharacteristically favored every year, which makes no sense to me either why they are favored every year when they really have just been a, a little above 500 every year. The, their average wins per year is eight and a half games and seven and a half losses. So they're really like a nine and seven, eight and 18 most years. And they beat the Giants and everyone's saying, oh, they're going to get back on track. The NFC East is the worst division in football. So even if they get to the playoffs, right, which they have a good – right now the first place in the division, they have a good job doing. And I think Andy Dalton's a pretty good quarterback. They're going to get destroyed, whoever they play, in the first round. And they, I don't think anyone from the NFC deserves to get it. NFC East deserves to get into the playoffs. I mean, your worst team is in the New York Giants, and they're not even, like, out of the division necessarily. you got the Redskins who are 1-4, and four, right? You got the Eagles who are one, three, and one, and you got the Cowboys who are leading division at two and three. I mean, this, this division's terrible. And it's the worst division I think I've ever seen in NFL history, at least from what I've studied the game. And the Cowboys defense, even though they did get pressure on Daniel Jones, that's because the Giants have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. It's not because the Cowboys have a good defense. They still allowed 34 points to a team that hasn't mustered over 13 points this entire season. Now, the, now the Cowboys can score right? They can score. They, I mean, even with Dak Prescott, their offense will dwindle without him. I'm, I'm sorry. They, they will dwindle a little bit. I do think Andy Dalton's a good enough quarterback to at least get them to the playoffs. And because I think Andy Dalton's proven of his career that at least as if he has a decent offensive line and decent weapons around him, he can be effective, right? He's a pretty decent quarterback, right? Now losing Dak Prescott hurts, especially for his contract situation. And he got franchise tag this year and he's looking for a long-term long-term deal. And he was going to press Jerry Jones hard about that. And he needed a big year to do that. And he was on his way to doing that up until that last game. He was leading, he was leading in NFL history for most yards thrown first through his first four games. It was exceptional what he was doing. So it's a big loss. And especially because I think Ezekiel Elliott is not really your number one option anymore. And he's, he's, he's done great in the passing game, but not necessarily in the running game this year. I think that is going to put pressure on Andy Dalton. But I think that, you know, the NFC East is so bad that they have a chance right now. They have to they, – they can't crumble against the Eagles like they did last year. But the Eagles, I think, are just riddled by injuries. The Washington football team doesn't really have a set quarterback yet because Alex Smith is still coming back from his injury. And the Giants are the Giants, right? So – I think they're going to probably win this division, and I think they're going to have like a seven and nine record, and they will still win the division. That's how bad the NFC East is as a conference. Now, I also want to break down the Bills and the Titans from last night. Forty-two to sixteen loss, and what it proves to me—I mean, if you look at the QBRs, right? Josh Allen was around a seventy QPR, or like a, yeah, I think a sixty-eight QBR from last night. Ryan Tannehill had like a 92 QPR last night. And what the Titans are is a team that knows their identity very, very well, right? They Tannehill is an act, really accurate quarterback that they don't ask a lot of. He gives you good numbers. He gives you a decent amount of passing. They, they rely on their running game. Again, they're very similar to the Browns in this way, and they rely on their defense. They have a very, very good defense. So the Bills, I thought, but – the Titans can beat you because the Titans have a identity. I think the Bills are developing that identity. I think they had it, obviously, a team that can rely on Josh Allen. But Josh Allen has a tendency under pressure, especially to make poor decisions. But he is a good quarterback. And, you know, there's, there's no way around it. He is a good quarterback. 
he does do a lot of exceptional things, I'm, in my opinion. Um, but I think there is room to grow for him. Um, and I think last night proved that to me. His numbers weren't awful, but they weren't great either. They only mustered 16 points, and they were one of the best offenses in the NFL, and he was leading the league in – him and Dak Prescott leading the league in passing yards, and he was doing an exceptional job. So, you know, this is one bad game, but the Titans proved a lot to me. They proved that they know who they are. They have a good defense. Mike Rabel's done a good job. The fact that they had all this coronavirus controversy with 22 players testing positive and still are able to come out and win a big game like that shows the rebel resiliency. And the fact that Tannehill can flourish in a system where they just don't ask him to do too much, but ask enough of him to make him at least look like a good quarterback helps the team jump into that right direction. So the Titans, I think, are going to be a more dangerous team than people are going to make them out to be, in my opinion. Um, so I think that's really, at the end of the day, where the Titans are a very good team, um, and I think they need to be more appreciated than they actually are. Last thing I wanted to get into, and I think this is interesting for people to know, is I'm going to talk a little bit about what job is better between the Clippers and the Rockets and who I think is a better fit. And I, I'm going to debunk the, the, the status quo that – Tyron Lewis is exceptional X and O's head coach. I didn't really see that be proven um, with the Cavaliers. But before I get into that, let's get into which situation is better. Right? So the Clippers just fired Doc Rivers, as you guys know. Right? He's been now the head coach of the 76ers, um, which I, I, I think he's, gonna, he's, he's a much better hire for that 76ers team than Brett Brown was. I think it's going to still be a difficult situation because I don't think Doc Rivers is – the most exceptional coach in the NFL, I think he's in the NBA, I'm sorry. I think he's a, he's a very good coach, and I think he's going to be allowing that team to be better. Um, I don't think they're going to win a championship under him, though, because I just don't think he makes the proper adjustments to win. And I think if you watch the Clippers, there's a lot of ISO ball there. But deviant away from that, let's get back to the real point here. I personally would say it's better to coach the Clippers because I think it's harder to coach a guy like James Harden and Russell Westbrook who are so set in their ways than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Kawhi Leonard, you don't really need to coach that hard because he will do what he needs to do. You just need to coach the other guys. And I think if you have a guy they trust, I think that would be better. I think they need a system change, though. I think they need a guy who's going to be really – big on accountability. I think Jeff Van Gundy is the perfect guy for that job. And I think it's because he has proven to win any, everywhere he's been. He's been accountable to star players and has gotten a lot out of them. T-Mac was really good in Houston when he was his coach. And even when the, with the Knicks, right, he had led that team to the finals, right? And it was like with like Larry Johnson and an injured Patrick who would even play in the finals. And players like Latrell Sprewell and Allen Houston, right? And those guys got to the championship game because of the accountability and the toughness that Van Gundy brought. I'm not saying Dr. Rivers didn't do that, but you, but you want to get away from, I think, the whole system revolving around Doc Rivers. And Tyron Lue is one of those guys that's so involved in the Doc Rivers system. And I think Tyron Lue should create his own path. I think Tyron Lue would be a better fit in Houston. Um, I think because I think what the Clippers need is a more seasoned coach that has been proven 
and really gotten a lot more out of X's and O's. I think Tyron Lue is a great player development guy, player relationship guy, right? I think, you know, he can go there and find ways to continue to make the Rockets better. I think Tyron Lue will be a better fit in Houston because I think his, his style of going iso ball he did in Cleveland, he can find ways to make, to, you know, weave that around to make the players as good. He can find ways to get Westbrook in good positions because he, again, Kyrie had one of his has best years under Tyron Lue and he did manage egos pretty well. So I will admit that too. I mean, and, and look, people might not like what Kendrick Perkins has to say most of the time, but I do listen to what he says when he references Tyron Lue because he did play under him. That is valuable insight, whether or not you think he's a good analyst. And I think that was really important for me. So again, I, I think those are the coaches I would see in those positions, right? Um, now, why do I, so the problem is like, look, I personally don't think Tyron Lou would be successful with the Clippers because I don't sure, you know, he has a relationship with the guys. I just don't, I think it's hard to manage. I think you need a new change there. I think you just need a new change because I don't think, I think he would be in the, in the same kind of structure that they don't really need. They need a new, they need a new face. They need a new culture change because they weren't successful under the whole Rivers tenure, right? I think that he would be better in Houston because they need a new face. They need a guy who's really playership, player relationship built and a guy who actually does try to focus on defense. Um, even though in Cleveland, they were erratic defensively when they needed to lock up, they were good enough. But even though I think that he would be a good fit in Houston, I don't see Tyron. That's, that's just because I'm looking between those two head coaches because those are the two top candidates and saying where they fit better. Right. I personally would rather see Kenny Atkinson in Houston, right? And Kenny Atkinson would be my pick to go there. I think Tyron Lue would be a better fit with the Pelicans that have less egos. Now people are like, oh, he's good at controlling egos, but he's not a great X's and O's guys from what I've seen. And maybe he is, but I think with LeBron and Kyrie, he didn't really prove that to me. He proved a lot of ISO offense. Kevin Love was not used very well in that offense. Now they ran some decent elbow action stuff, but they do the same thing to the Lakers, right? Who knows? Say LeBron just doesn't, you know, draw up those plays, right? So I really see the big difference with how the defense is run. And I think Tyron Lue is a good coach. I think he does a lot of exceptional things, but I don't think, I think if you're telling talking about which position is better for him, Clippers or Rockets, Rockets are a better fit, but I think the best fit for him is definitely the Pelicans. I think Kenny Atkinson is the best fit for the Rockets job because he knows how to develop the talent. He knows how to work with that, right? He knows how to develop everyone else, right? I think Tyron Lue is a guy that I think I'd rather have on a younger team, to be honest. Even though people want to say, Kenny, I, you know, I said before, I think Kenny Atkinson would be a great fit for the Pelicans. If Tyron Lue gets the Rockets job, then Kenny Atkinson, I think, would make the Pelicans a, a big-time player contender do. I'm a big believer in Kenny Atkinson. Even Mark Jackson, I would probably take over. It's a tough position, right? And I don't think Dan Tony is the guy you want coaching like the Pelicans. I, I just don't want – I don't like Dan Tony in terms of him not being able to play defense. I don't like the idea of small ball. So that's just kind of all my things there, right? Now, coming up later this week, I will be discussing a little bit more about the New England Patriots. Um explaining a little bit about them, how they can, you know, try to transition themselves if Cannon is still not healthy to position, to transition themselves to win some games with this, these new quarterbacks. 
Um, hopefully I'll have a guest on for that to break it down as well. But before I sign off, just make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Subscribe to this also on Apple Podcasts if you gave us a listen. And also it's on Spotify as well. So definitely follow my Spotify pod- podcast so you guys can get the latest up-to-date episodes from the show. I appreciate you guys tuning in.